Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. You are seeing Philip, a 67-year-old male, for a follow-up today of his atrial fibrillation. He has had episodic flares of AFib over the last two years and is currently on a daily anticoagulant. Phil, like many of your patients, has recently decreased to consuming one to two glasses of wine per day, as you had suggested, quote, all things in moderation. Previously, he enjoyed his scotch, drinking two to three in the evening and a few more on the weekends. You recently heard of a new study that suggests that alcohol abstinence may be a better approach for patients with atrial fibrillation. What do you do now? Hi, this is Frank Domino, professor and family physician in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Joining me today is Dr. Robert Baldor, professor and founding chair of the Department of Family Medicine at UMass Medical School, Bay State. Hi, Bob. Hi, Frank. Wow. So uh, I, I like a glass or two of wine at night myself. What do we know about the effects of alcohol on cardiovascular disease? Yeah, you know, this is a fascinating topic because I'm constantly searching for studies saying it's okay to be drinking, and I'm struggling here. And this is another one that says maybe it's not so good for us. So um, atrial fibrillation clearly has uh, risk factors, and there's the usual suspects, right? Sedentary lifestyle, hypertension, diabetes, obstructive sleep apnea, and unfortunately, alcohol consumption. And so studies have actually shown that those with moderate to heavy alcoholic consumption are prone to AFib, and observational studies have suggested this is a dose-dependent effect. And so this report here uh, just triggered saying, uh, last year, looking at triggers for, um, I'm sorry, another report last year, looking at triggers for AFib, uh, determined that drinking was a major uh, trigger for for AFib in patients that had it. So um, not necessarily that the alcohol caused the atrial fibrillation, but it certainly if you have atrial fibrillation, it, intermittent, it can set off an episode? Yeah, I've been trying to understand this myself, so I delved into this a little bit. So the um, excess alcohol intake, clearly it causes changes in the uh, sympathetic and parasympathetic tone around the heart. It actually shortens atrial refractiveness and it reduces uh, sodium can- channel expression. All these things can trigger atrial fibrillation. So yeah, the alcohol can trigger atrial fibrillation based on what it's doing to the conduction going on in the heart. And unfortunately, we know that from heavy consumption, but looking at this, even regular moderate alcohol consumption is associated with slowing of atrial electrical conduction and some remodeling going on that ends up with uh, atrial fib- uh, left atrial fibrosis and some left atrial dilatation as, uh, as well. Well, that's concerning. I mean, now, now we're actually causing structural defects in, in the heart. Um, so what does the latest data tell us about alcohol use and atrial fibrillation? 
Well, I, I, this was a really an interesting study. This was a randomized controlled trial out of Australia. And it uh, turns out, I guess they drink a bit down there. They do. And uh, <laughs> they looked at uh, recommending uh, the intervention was abstinence. Uh, we're going to recommend abstinence. We're going to give you a little help in doing that with some counseling and so on. Among regular drinkers with a history of atrial fibrillation to see if this would decrease the incidence of their AFib. And they monitored them uh, uh, going forward here uh, to see uh, rhythms that were there. Um, so and this was a, actually a small study. Part of the reason why it was a small study, they had difficulty getting patients to enroll in this because of the absence. <laughs> the other interesting thing, this was planned to be a one-year study. They ended up going down to six months because of the focus on absence, and it wasn't working real well. But anyways, they ended up with 70 people, randomly 140 people, 70 of them assigned to alcohol absence, matched against the control uh, group, just advised uh, not to increase, just don't drink any more than you're drinking right now. Uh, both groups uh, basically uh, were matched uh, with controls, history of AFib, but a normal sinus rhythm at the time of entry into the, uh, into the trial. Now, those in the intervention group were actually able to reduce their alcohol intake the mean here was 16, 17 drinks per week, plus or minus seven, but 16 drinks per week, and they got it down to a mean of two drinks per week, uh, plus or minus uh, 3.7. And so it's 87% reduction. Complete abstinence was actually achieved by 61% of the patients in that group, so that's pretty good. It's like some pretty heavy drinkers to get down to, mm -hmm. to abstinence. Now, interestingly, the match group, where we just advised not to drink more, uh, were actually able to re actually reduce their intake over this period of time as uh, well. Uh, they were matched, again, uh, about drinking about the same coming in, um, but only about 19%, uh, only a decrease of about 19%. They got down to about 13 uh, drinks uh, per week in that uh, group. So they looked now, six months later, recurrence of atrial fibrillation was actually documented in 37 patients, about half, 53% of those in the abstinence group, and 51, or 73%, three quarters of those in that control group. And the risk of atrial fibrillation was higher among patients who consumed one to nine drinks per week, which was 40 patients, and among those who consumed 10 more per drink than those who achieved complete abstinence. So it was actually seen a little bit of that dose uh, response that, that, that's sort of known to, 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 to be there. So um, despite being in the intervention group, still 53% had a recurrence of the AFib, and in the control group, about 70-some. So it was a 25% reduction in the incidence of, new, of recurrent AFib in, in, based upon the intervention, which is great. It's still surprising about how commonly people with atrial fibrillation break through. Still half the people in the study still had, had episodic atrial fibrillation. Well, um, all right, what are we going to do about Philip? Uh, he, he's drinking, he, he's cut down already, but he's still drinking a fair amount, uh, one to two glasses of red wine per day. What can we advise him to do? Well, I think the, the key thing here is what you just said is surprising. You get this, the breakthrough, the people come back with atrial fibrillation. You want to be on an anticoagulant, and Phil is. So that's number one. So I'm glad, glad to see uh, that. The other thing just to mention in this uh, that might be of interest for, for Phil was in the group that they look at um, weight reduction as well. And there was a modest weight reduction, 3.7 kilograms. So that's in not six so months. modest. That's in not six so bad. months. Well, by, and, and they saw a decrease in systolic and um, uh, diastolic blood pressure amongst the abstinence group as, uh, as well. So I think this study just adds to the literature that correlates alcohol consumption with AFib. And clearly, there's a dose-dependent uh, relationship that we're, um, that we're seeing here. So, you know, ideally, I'd recommend complete absence for people who have AFib. And I doubt many will be able to achieve that, uh, you know, by recommending. But I think if we're recommending complete absence, 
then we'll see people decreasing even more. And again, it's a dose-dependent effect. Because certainly, if you go back to the study where there was the, the one group was advised abstinence, the other group was just advised don't drink a lot more because we know alcohols, so don't drink more than you are, they actually cut back with just the advice not to drink more. So I think if we're saying, you know, the data really shows the best thing is abstinence from alcohol, we'll see people cutting back. And if they can achieve abstinence, absolutely. You know, that's not going to be me. I like that glass of red wine, uh, but I don't have AFib, so. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. Yet. <laughs> I do think, though, if you get an echo and you actually see left atrial dilatation or some stiffness in the wall, um, we'll think of a thousand drugs to put this patient on, but maybe the drug we need to remove is alcohol. So I think you're absolutely right. This is great advice. Thank you, Bob. Yeah, no, totally. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it's really, uh, I, I think the evidence is overwhelming in this study just really adds to that. It's alcohol is not great for cardiovascular outcomes. Practice pointer. For patients with atrial fibrillation, abstaining from alcohol appears to provide you with the lowest risk of recurrence of breakthrough AFib and other structural defects of the heart. Medical data has demonstrated that in patients with atrial fibrillation, alcohol use increases the risk of atrial fibrillation recurring. New data shows that complete abstinence from alcohol intake lowers that risk and decreases breakthrough episodes of atrial fibrillation and the damage it can do to your heart. Join us next time when we talk about a novel approach using B vitamins to assist in the recovery of acute low back pain. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.